Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Bo's by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, my friends, to the Friday edition of Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. So much news, my friends, as always. Wondering where to start today. I missed a huge story yesterday. I'm not going to try to play it off that, oh, I didn't have time to look at it. I missed it. I don't know why I didn't, I don't know how I did not see it. It was in the Wall Street Journal. It was written by a woman whose name I can't pronounce, Aruna Viswanatha and Sadie Groom. Uh, Biden expected to face harsh criticism in classified document probe, but the special counsel isn't likely to bring criminal case over handling of records from Biden's time as vice president and in the Senate. So they're already sending up the warning flags. Now, in order for a story like this to be written, somebody's talking already. This is, this is, this is the trial balloon. And this is what happens to prepare the public for a big story. You get a hint. Oh, you know, look, there's something happening here. We don't know exactly when the details are going to drop, but, but, but here's what the outcome is going to be. And they float that in public, and they wait for public reaction. And either they're just going to do it, or, or else the decision has already been made, and they're preparing us for the decision so that when the decision comes out, it won't be as immediately harsh as to be expected. Well, here's the story. The prosecutor investing why classified documents ended up at President Biden's home and former office is preparing a report that is expected to be sharply critical of how he and his longtime aides handled the material. But the probe isn't likely to result in criminal in a criminal case, according to people familiar with the matter. So yes, of course, people familiar with the matter who could only be those involved in the case, are already saying, yeah, yeah, we're looking at it, but we're going to let Joe go. Look, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll write up a few words. It'll be harsh. We'll say, oh, you shouldn't have done it. Here's a slap on your wrist, and now go away and don't bother us anymore. This is a done deal. Since his appointment in January, Special Counsel Robert Herr I wonder if he's related to Ben. Robert Herr has interviewed over roughly 100 Biden aides, colleagues, and family members, including his son, Hunter. Oh, yeah, I bet you we got the truth out of that guy. Culminating in a two-day interview with the president last month. The documents in question date to Biden's time as vice president during the Obama administration, as well as his days in the U.S. Senate. So let us understand this. Unlike President Trump, who under the Presidential Records Act 
has the ability to declassify any document and decide which documents can be done with what, because he is the president, and that is the authority granted the president under the Presidential Records Act. Joe Biden had no such authority with the handling of these classified documents. They were not supposed to be stored in his garage or stored all over town. These are, in some cases, classified documents that should have remained the property of the government. The number of interviews Hur's team has conducted indicates it cast a wide net in trying to answer the question about how the material was packed and handled and wound up at an office Biden used at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, a Washington, D.C.-based think tank, and in the garage of his home in Wilmington, Delaware, alongside his vintage Corvette. Among those Hur spoke with was Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who was an aide to Biden in the Senate and his national security advisor when he was vice president. Blah, 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 it goes on. Her has assembled a small team of prosecutors, including some from the Maryland U.S. Attorney's Office he used to lead, et cetera, et cetera. Now, let me tell you something, folks. If, as expected, the little trial balloon from the Wall, Wall Street Journal was sent out there to warn us, that they're not going to charge Biden, there will be no charges. This is what we already know about the two-tier justice system. If they dare, if they dare come out one more time, which is the Democrats get a pass. Democrats are going to get a pass no matter what. The matter better not drop there. This is insane. But they're all sending up their trial balloon. Here's another story today we can take a look at, talk about if you'd like. It's Friday. Talk about what you want to talk about if you call. 800-848-WABC is the number. Here is the story today. You can find it in BizPack Review. You can find it, I believe, Daily BS. You can find it in a number of places. Israel hating Dems beg Jeffries to protect them from APAC backed primary challengers. So, the the story first broke in Politico, members of the squad, the mouthy pack of pro-Hamas lawmakers known as the squad, want Hakeem Jeffries, their leader in the House, to back down the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, APAC, from backing challengers in their districts next year. What Hakeem Jeffries has been has to do is go to APAC and just tell them, look, please don't run anybody against these anti-Israeli progressives, please, for the sake of the Democrat Party. Leftists from the Progressive Caucus PAC met with Jeffries and Susan, Suzanne Delbini from Washington, who heads up the campaign arm, for the House Democrats in a closed-door meeting so that they could beg him to please, please stop APEC from promoting or endorsing or supporting candidates that will run against us. And boy, oh boy, 
amazing. If we have to spend a lot of money to keep our incumbents in office, then that's less money that gets spent on frontline districts and districts we can pick up. So it's a real problem. That's what one of the most outspoken members of the squad, Pramila Jayapal, says. Now, Miss Jayapal ran into trouble when she trashed Israel as being a racist state at a progressive conference. But now she doesn't want APAC to support any primary challenge that she might have. Rashida Talib, yeah. So they want a they want APAC to stand down and let her blatant hatred of Israel stand against any prime primary challenger. Same with Ilhan Omar, Corey Bush. There was a big article in the New York Times today about Jamal Bowman from Brooklyn and how he hit thirty percent, twenty to thirty percent of his district is Jewish. And they are not happy with him. But yet, APAC is supposed to just stand down and let these progressive, anti-Israel progressives, these pro-Hamas progressives, run with impunity. I have a story. I'm going to hold this one until tomorrow. This is a tease. That's what we call it, a tease for tomorrow's show. We'll deal with this story tomorrow on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza when I have a bit more time. Let me just give you the headline. College chaplain under fire for trying to organize BDSM workshops with dominatrix for students. Yeah, we'll hold that juicy little story until tomorrow. A college chaplain. Hello, chaplain. What say we pray with the students? Oh, I've got a better idea. What say we get some bondage and some sadomasochism going with the students, huh? I'll have to get to the duty asking questions. Is he? Does it matter whether he's Catholic or not? He's a chaplain. He's a, supposed to be a man of God or woman of God. Okay, and and I, good thing I said man or woman of God because the chaplain's name is it's Reverend Beatrix, B E A T R I X Beatrix, while an ordained Beatrix, Dominatrix Beatrix. So the chaplain wants to organize a bondage and a a sadomasochism bondage session with a dominatrix for the students on. (sighs) Chaplain Beatrix will host a local uh, dominatrix to share wisdom on how to safely, sanely, and consensually learn about bondage, discipline, domination, sadism, submission, and masochism. Okay, that's it for today. That's the tease. We'll deal with that story tomorrow. Another big story, which we will get to when we get through with our first break, and that is what's going on at Univision. And this is fun. Oh, this is fun. 
I wish I had a, I wish I had a, a theme for this one, like Tara's theme that I do for black people, Democrats news. I wish I had a theme for Spanish people, Democrat news. Cause this one is fun. Okay. In case anybody cares, students are missing school at an alarming rate. This is still news coming after the pandemic. I'll just give you the headline because who cares if your students pass, fail, or even go to school these days, eh? Eh? There has been a run, and perhaps some of you already know this. I I was surprised by the information. Um, it looks like marijuana stocks, share prices in a number of marijuana and a number of cannabis companies have suffered a blow. Do you know why? Do you, can you imagine why the stocks in certain cannabis outlets have taken a blow? Diego, you're smiling. You're great. It looks like you know why. Why do you think the cannabis stocks are going down in value? Phil just told me that Snoop Dogg has announced that he ha- he has quit smoking. Phil is always on top of whatever the fashions He's are. On top. I don't care. I don't care whether it's Barbie. I don't care whether it's whatever it is. Phil is the man, the go-to man when it comes to cultural news across these United States of America. Phil is the man. He's the man. Hear that, Phil? After, after Calvin Brodus, Snoop Dogg, Used to be Snoop Doggy Dog. I guess he didn't think that sounded mature enough. So when he got to be a bigger grown-up, he dropped the doggy to just dog. I think that's the way it must work. After Snoop Dogg announced yesterday that he was giving up smoking, the share prices of a number of cannabis companies suffered a blow. The 52-year-old musician, whose real name is Calvin Broaddus, became known for his love of the recreational drug over the years and made the surprise announcement to his social media follows. After much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. It sounds like he's mourning someone that died. I've decided I'm, <laughs> I've decided I'm going to stop smoking. Please respect my privacy at this time. Such a loss. What a world. Yeah, this was number one. You know who they are, of course. The one, the only Beach Boys. Nineteen sixty what? Nineteen sixty six. Beach Boys at number one with this one. One of the iconic sixties vibrations. The Beach Boys on WABC. Your calls are welcome. Eight hundred eight four eight. Oh man. W. 
I'm just doing some Snoop Dogg imitation. That's all. Uh, WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back in a minute. Don't go anywhere. She's giving me the Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Nineteen sixty-two, and you heard it right here on WABC. Four seasons, five weeks at the number one slot all across the nation. It was their second number one hit of the year. Today, by the way, is also. The birthday of one of the four seasons. Bob, Bob Gadillo. Born in 1942. Four seasons. What a run. This one. Big girls don't quite cry. Walk like a man. Boy. <laughs> Walk like a man. That could be used as a theme song today. Walk like a man. Also, Sherry. And of course, December 1963. Four seasons on WABC. All right, the story, Univision, the Spanish language news giant, shifts in its approach to Trump. This is causing massive, massive, I said massive, panic attacks. Massive. And today, out of the blue, a Univision anchor, longtime anchor, just quit. Just did not, I'm, I'm done with this place. I'm gone. So let's get to this story yesterday. No, this story ran earlier in the week. It ran on the 14th in the Washington Post. And then, as I said, there has been bubbling up out there so much criticism of Univision. Now, most of you didn't see this story because it's behind the paywall. It's at the Washington Post. They pay you to charge to read. I happen to subscribe to the Washington Post. I pay a fortune so that I can read what's in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. When Donald Trump ran for re-election in 2020, his campaign called Univision, the nation's most influential Spanish-language network, a leftist propaganda machine and a mouthpiece of the Democrat Party. We shall treat them accordingly. His advisors promised three years later, Trump is treating Univision and its new corporate owners like long-lost friends. He hosted a trio of Univision executives at Mar-a-Lago last week. And he sat down for an hour-long interview that was notable 
for its gracious tone, starting with the question, how well he's doing among Latino voters in early election polling. Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, a friend of one of the executives, did you hear that? Jared Kushner is a friend of one of the new executives over at Univision, helped arrange the interview and was also in the room, according to multiple people familiar with the event. All you have to do, listen to what Donald Trump said about Univision. All you have to do is look at the owners of Univision. They are unbelievable entrepreneurial people, and they like me. He said in response to a question about Latino voters. Now comes the payoff sentence after you've got the setup. The reversal. They're talking about this reversal at Univision from their Trump hate tone to what they have now. The reversal has shocked Democrats who are preparing a massive ad campaign to brand Trump as hostile to Latino interest. Some journalists inside Univision, they're also upset, who think that this past week has demonstrated the heavy hand of their news corporate bosses. The Mexican media company, Grupo Televisa, which has long fostered a close relationship with Mexican political leaders, merged with Univision in 2021. Oh, we don't like this. The Democrat. <laughs> this makes me laugh. So the Democratic alarm further spiked two days later when Univision advertising representatives told the Biden campaign that spots, commercials, already purchased to run during the Trump interview in Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Florida had been canceled. Owing to a heretofore unannounced policy about opposition advertising in single candidate interviews. So so the Univision people, (laughs) so the Biden campaign had their Trump hate ads ready to go during the interview, and Univision's new bosses said, nope, I'm sorry, we have a policy against running those kind of ads. On the Democrats. Univision also canceled a booking with Biden's Hispanic media director. (laughs) Maka Casado, to respond to the Trump interview after it aired on the network's late news broadcast, according to people familiar with the details. And all of these people are speaking under the condition of anonymity because they're not authorized to speak. So you have, what this means is that all the liberals at Univision are running out to the press. You believe what these new people are doing here? Do you? But they can't give their names because they're not supposed to be talking to the press. This is delicious, folks. Not since 2004, that would be the year 2004, when President George W. Bush outperformed among Latino voters, has the Spanish-speaking population been so up for grabs in a presidential contest, according to early polling. 
Democrats now fear they are losing access to a network that has been instrumental in past elections in aggressively reporting on Trump's immigration policies and their effect on Latino viewers. Oh, goodness. Let me translate that. Let's pull that out of Democrat Amazon Prime Newspeak and just tell it like it T.I. is. Democrats now fear that they are losing access to a network that was full of Trump hate and actually did harm to Trump's campaign in every way possible by misreporting his stance during the last election and scaring Latino voters to death. The concerns were first raised in November 2022 when Univision took the unusual step of interrupting programming to cover Trump's Mar-a-Lago campaign announcement live. (sighs) They're having a fit. Democrats are scared. They've lost Univision. And now that they have lost Univision, they're worried that they might lose the Hispanic vote. Now, this ought to point you. These people always tell you the media isn't biased. This is proof positive, their reaction to a change in ownership at Univision of exactly how in the pocket Univision was for the Democrat Party. And they are petrified now that their hold on Univision might be gone. Ah, yes, it's so beautiful. I tell you what, we're coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Ray Charles takes us in. We're playing Ray Charles on WABC. Can't stop loving you because this is the day that Don Gibson, the American country music legend, died of natural causes, age 75. He is the one that wrote this song. This song has been recorded by over 700, 700 recording Artists. And among those 700, this is the most well-known version. Ray Charles did it in 1962. I can't stop. Loving you on WABC. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah. Jimmy Merchant. This day in 1992, that Why Do You Fools Fall In Love, he won a battle over the royalties. Four million dollars in back payment. That was in 1992. In 1984, Wham! Goes to number one with this one. Wake me up before you go, go. Never, yeah. 
It was a huge hit. His inspiration, George Michaels, for the song was it was a scribbled note left by his partner. Wake me up before you go. So, they wrote, wake me up before you go. Go. Okay. Turns into a song. Let's head to the telephones. Bill in New Jersey, you're on with James Golden with Bo Snurley on Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here on WABC. How are you, Bill? I'm good, thank you, sir. And really good music today. I mean, that song, Ray Charles, the Beach Boys, it just doesn't get any better than that. Really good stuff. Puts me in a good mood. Yesterday, yes, Mm -hmm. yesterday uh, you were talking about the BioLab in California. And this story initially broke out in the Epic Times newspaper about a month ago. I read the whole thing. It was a huge article. And our enemies, there are many, uh, in this case China, knows that they can't take on our Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. So what is easier for them is to infiltrate us with these types of labs that are manufacturing all types of synthetic diseases and infect um, rats and mice with them and let them go in large populated areas, i.e. New York City and many others. Um, this is a plan in the works. This is, this is something that uh, COVID was just a taste of what is about to happen. And maybe some of your callers or even you are saying, man, Bill, you are being so negative. You worry too much. Why are you letting this stuff get to you? But when you brought this up yesterday, it really struck my nerve because it's the severity of this. It's extremely serious. These diseases are going to be transmitted into cities, like I said, in highly populated areas. Um, it's, it's, it's going to hit. And why do I bring this up? Because of what you said yesterday, it was investigated by a local California woman who brought it to the FBI and the story was dropped. I mean, what in the hell is going on here? Don't bother me. The FBI will take care of it, and they ignore it. Uh, people out there are saying, I don't know what Bill is talking about. He said Bo brought it up yesterday on the radio, and I never heard about it on the television. The significance of this is something to really worry about. The, the significance of this story is absolutely stunning in its depth. And and I agree. And I let you go because I wanted you to explain exactly, exactly why you are worried about it and why everybody should be worried about it. Now, let me just amend something that you said. The FBI didn't say we'll investigate. The FBI, our FBI, what happened was a local code enforcement inspector in California noticed that there was a hose going into a building that violated codes. They go in there. It is a lab. It is a lab filled with all kind of vials of things, including vials that were in some code. And from what we understand from the article that I had yesterday, it has yet to be understood what those codes on those vials are. They said, oh, my gosh, this is a bio lab. The local officials brought it to the attention of the FBI. 
The person that's running this, by the way, is connected with Chinese military operations, with the Chinese government. I, I better double check before I say military. I don't have the story in front of me right now. But what happened? The FBI said, no, we're not going to investigate it. They refused to investigate it. Why would the FBI refuse to investigate? Here I have the story now. You can find the story at the Daily BS. And the headline of the story is, Owner of California Biolab Tied to Chinese Government and Military. I was right. A House Government Report Finds. The recent arrested owner of a California Biolab allegedly has ties to the government of the People's Republic of China and a program related to its military. This is from a House Select Committee report. His name is Jabin Zhu. He served as a corporate officer with the Chinese Military Civil Fusion Organizations. Arrested in October for manufacturing and distributing misbranded medical devices. He was running a biolab. After this was discovered, Reedley Court, a code enforcement officer, discovered, her name is Jessalyn Harper, she discovered a garden hose illegally attached to this facility, Reedley, California, to their exterior. City officials then discovered thousands, thousands, thousands of vials within the facility, some of which were unlabeled, Others had labels that were written in Mandarin Chinese. Certain labels were allegedly written in a code that hasn't been deciphered yet. Local officials eventually contacted the FBI, who allegedly declined to investigate the biolab. This is what a House committee is reporting. This biolab was discovered run by a guy linked to the Chinese military and the Chinese government. Our FBI refused to investigate it. Then they tried the CDC. Readley officials on multiple occasions were hung up on mid-conversation. Finally, a Democrat congressman finally persuaded the CDC to visit this illegal bio lab at some point. The CB, CDC, comes back and says there's no evidence or select agents of select agents or toxins. Then they, the CDC, had state and local authorities destroy the evidence from the facility. They got a court order, they found a judge, and had the evidence destroyed. Now, hold on to your socks. Among the items the CDC personnel allegedly failed to discover was a freezer labeled Ebola. Ebola. So no, you don't sound like a nut for saying 
that there is a plan underway to use bioweapons against the United States. You don't sound like this is some kind of wacko conspiracy theory. This happened. And our own FBI and our own CDC ignored a bio lab run by a Chinese national with ties to the Chinese military, with ties to the Chinese government. They ignored it. They destroyed the evidence. And we do know that there was one thing that was labeled in there marked Ebola. Why would your government behave in this manner? Why wouldn't they take this seriously? Why haven't you seen this on TV? Why is it just being reported by Epic Times and the Daily Caller News Foundation, the Daily BS, and places like that? Why aren't you reading about this? Why isn't the Amazon Prime Washington Post telling you about this? Why isn't the New York Times telling you about this? Why isn't this all over ABC, CBS, NBC? Why does Bill know more about this than members of our government, except for in the House where they did a report and found some of this stuff? Why? We have to check in with Lou Dobbs. We go in with Jimmy Ruffin, brother of David Ruffin, his older brother. And that's who died in 2014 at age 78. Jimmy Ruffin's big hit, you all know. What becomes of the broken hearted? It is our rush hour, Boston Early's rush hour here on WABC. Tomorrow morning, bright and early, the Saturday morning radio extravaganza, 7 a.m. Hope you're here for it. Checking in with Lou Dobbs, and then we'll check in with more of your phone calls. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Birthday today for one of my favorites. Born in 1938, Canuck. Gordon Lightfoot. What a lyricist, what a writer, what a singer, what a performer. About a ghost from a wishing well. In a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my nineteen seventy one. You know that ghost is me. And then and I will three years later went number one with this one. Gordon Lightfoot on WABC Talk Radio 77. 
number one single. Sundown. And then we have this sad news today. George Funky Brown passed away. George, one of the amazing drummers. All those cool in the gang hits. George's Funky Beats. Cool in the gang. George Funky Brown passes away. On WABC Talk Radio 77. Both Snowy with you here. He's celebrating in heaven. You know that vibe. Let's head to the telephones. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, presents Rapid Phones. Andrew and Stanhope, you are up next. How are you, Andrew? Hey, what's up, James? Bad news about the drummer. I knew the bass player's daughter. They went to school with me in South Orange. We lived in South Orange. But So that's sad news. When I first saw the headline, I thought, oh, it's going to be the bass player. But it's bad, whoever it was. But um, yeah. I just want to say people passing away, the former first ladies and hospice, uh, Jimmy Carter's wife. But I have no sympathy for her because speaking of the black community, she did great damage. They did. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Rosalind Carter, I have sympathy for her. And <clears throat> I hear what you're saying. Look. You know what? Look, can we put the politics aside ever in our lives and just when people are making their transition, let's be kind. Let's be kind to people. I mean, if, if and I understand there are some people that, that, that are heinous human beings. And then I revert back to what mama <clears throat> and daddy told us. Can't say something nice about a person. Sometimes it's best not to say something at all. But for Rosalind Carter, for Jimmy Carter, they're both in hospice together now at that house in Georgia. And I'd rather be kind during this time that the Carter family is going through what they're going through. Andrew, I'm going to give you the last word on it, bro. Because it's more personal because I grew up right next to Newark and East Orange and I was dyslexic. So I was put in the lower level classes with mostly African-American kids. And I know that they block school choice. The Democrats, they get money. And Jimmy Carter became president 10 years after the vote flipped. The black vote went from Republican to Democrat. When it was Republican, it was only a 10 percent out of wedlock. When it was Democrat, it was almost 70. So he was aware of his failed policies. Yet till the day he dies, he promotes the same harmful policy. Because liberals are liberals first. And I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. And we need to do everything possible to work to defeat liberalism and liberals. That doesn't mean that we have to give up our humanity in the process. And when people are making their transition, don't worry. They're going to be judged for their life's work, but it's not us. And and what we should worry about is how we are going to be judged. Not how other people are going to be judged, how we are going to be judged for what we do. Thank you for the call. I so appreciate you. 
Max in Manhattan, you're up next on WABC Rapid Phones. How are you, Max? Yeah, hi. Um, I need your perspective. I want to ask you a question. Um, I'll tell you what. It's not going to end well because the clock is ticking. We just heard the closing theme. So, Max, I'm going to invite you to hold your call till tomorrow morning. I'll take your call, listen to it in full, and then give you my perspective on what it, you need to know. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, back in the morning. 7 a.m. Hope you're here with us for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Till then, bye.